that's two pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And we have got a great episode today. Dude, <laughs> we totally do. <laughs> I really want to do it in like a like a black metal voice, but I don't know. I don't know if I've got that, I think, that in me today. Oh my gosh. I think that I can get maybe like a few of those out before my throat starts going just bananas and I can't speak anymore. Okay, let's see if I can let's see if I can pull this off. Okay. Our topic today is holiday horror. Holiday horrors. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is way better. Mine's too high. <laughs> we are going to talk all about spooky, spooky, awful holiday uh, cryptid monster folklore stuff. It's yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, it turns out Christmas has and you, and Christmas Yule New Year's the Christmas tides all of that shit has some <laughs> pretty atrocious stuff. Yeah, some <laughs> really <laughs> fucked creatures to haunt your nightmares for the rest of your days. Yeah, so snuggle in, cozy up, light a candle. Oh, light a candle. Dude. <laughs> I was not even thinking yeah. about that. We would have forgotten. So we're going to light our ritual candle. I think this will, in fact, be the last burn for this particular candle because oh. between this week and next week, I think we hit Yule. If my calculations are correct. So we'll need a brand new candle for next episode. Oh, my gosh. You're so right. Yeah. She looks like she's getting down there, man. Totally time for a new one. Oh, she lit so quickly this time. It's definitely going to spill wax everywhere, so help me keep an eye on it. <laughs> I th it'll be okay. I'll, I'll watch. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into our, our spooky holiday horrors, Lindsay, how was your week? I've had a weird week. Mm. I've had a one-handed week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so like a week and a half ago, I got pretty drunk with you <laughs> and engineer Dan. And as we were walking home, I tripped on nothing, but because I was walking and sometimes my long gangly legs just don't go where they should. And I tripped and I hit the ground pretty hard. You sure did, buddy. I did. <laughs> <laughs> All fours like cat cow. <laughs> <laughs> like, cat cow. <laughs> and I got an owie. So yeah, I got a I got a big big owie on my on the palm of my hand, and it's been in bandages for like a week and a half. Let's see it. How's it looking? Oh, oh, okay. I know that I know our viewers can't see it, but I'll take a picture for them. Yes. So at first it looked like a a meatball. Yeah. And then I got <laughs> hungry for meatballs, and Brian made them for me. Thank goodness for Brian making me meatballs while I have an injured hand. But <laughs> then it started looking like a butthole, <laughs> and now it looks like it's actually healing. Oh yeah, it looks it look, just looks like a, a scabbed over blister now. Yeah, it, yeah, it still hurts a lot. Though. I bet, and um, and it's right, it's it's placed in the perfect position so that when my palm like kind of folds over on itself, <laughs> it, it, it like breaks yeah. that uh that scab and it gets all crusty and gross. So now I'm curious, not to uh, diverge from your hand, but you're a vegetarian, so how do you make meatballs? I know you can oh. make it with not meat stuff, but like, what do you put in your vegetarian meatballs? I don't know what he did. Oh, oh no, I kind of do because I, I told him that we had string cheese, which is mozzarella, okay. basically. And I was like, we should have 
meatballs, which we use the Beyond Meat for. Okay, cool. And we should like cut up string cheese sticks and shove it in there. So we had cheesy mozzarella, Beyond Meat meatballs. Awesome. And they were delicious. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. And I'm going to bank that away because... I am fully committed to doing my vegetarian January again this year. So So I'm already starting to like put mentally put away ideas for what I'm going to make. Yeah, they were so good. We like drowned them in marinara sauce and put them in sandwiches. Yes. (laughs) Is there anything more satisfying than making a giant pot of meatballs and not putting with spaghetti? (laughs) Like instead just like slopping it on some bread? Yeah. It's, this is a new decadent treat for me. Yeah, yeah, so good. We got some, like, fr- uh, we, we got a couple different kinds. Uh, we got these, like, sandwich rolls, I guess, from the, the liquor store downstairs, who also has, like, a cheese department and a deli, but they sell breads, too, that they get from some bakery around here. And we got these French rolls, and we got these brioche rolls. I'm a fan of the French roll. Brian's a fan of the brioche roll. Cool. Well, I'm glad that you, you have options. Way. Yeah, I'd probably go French or like a Portuguese bun. Yeah, it needs to have that like sandwichy kind of crust yes. over it, though the roll crust because yeah. sandwich bread not gonna. No, work. yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, I like a fluffy interior to soak up all the marinara sauce, but it needs a little bit of a like a crispy crust on the outside so that the whole thing doesn't become a soggy mess. And yeah. that's what I think would happen with a brioche roll. It didn't happen with that it, because it did have the like, you know, a little thing on bit the top. of a shell, but not quite. It had I don't a know, little bit of a shell. It wasn't the same. It just, it wasn't firm enough. Brian liked it because it was squishy enough and he felt like if you squished it enough, it would hold in the meatballs better. And it made yeah, sense. Fair. His reasoning made sense. So I had that one second. I prefer the French. <laughs> so <laughs> as we're just sitting here discussing meatballs, our listeners may be able to pick up. I'm not sure, but we are. We are recording in our uh, very special, very safe studio today, and Kenway is here with us and is uh, slowly losing his mind. He really wants to get into my office because he likes to sit on the window now and look out on the world below and check in on my bonsai trees. So he's really upset he can't get into the office right now. He's only allowed in there when I'm in there, and I'm not. (laughs) So you may hear him meowing in the background time to time. So, before we get into our horrors, I have a sweet, wholesome, heartwarming story to share. Oh, uh, so this is a perfect prelude to, I think, what is going to be some pretty diabolical monster mash kind of stuff uh, coming up. And you just, like, warm your heart a little. Like, feel good about the world and things before we tell you all kinds of terrible nonsense. <laughs> so I've got a cat story to share from a coworker of mine, and, oh. I've, and I got his permission. Uh, I won't share his name because, I don't know, that seems weird since he's not on here himself, but I will talk about his cats. Cool. And so I have a coworker who lives down in Houston, and he has been a foster dad for cats for a long time now. And this is something I've known to be true about him since we met, I don't know, a couple of years ago now. And he has two of his own cats, a black cat whose name I don't know, and an orange tabby named Tim. Aww. And he's had those two cats for a while. They're both lovely, affectionate, super cute. And so foster cats have come and gone, and you're usually kittens and strays and that sort of thing. And he's like, oh, look at the super cute kitten. Um, everybody on our Slack channel at work is like, oh, look at the super cute kitten. But he lives in Houston, so it's not like I can just like be like, I'll take that cat. 
and eventually he always adopts them. But recently, over the last couple of months, over the fall, uh, my coworker went to like go grocery shopping or something like that. He was in a parking lot, and he turns his car on. He hears this like funny noise, so he immediately like turns his car off. And then checks the like engine, and curled up inside his engine block is a little orange kitten. No way. Who had clearly like crawled up inside because it was probably like chilly, and so he like waited and waited and waited, looked around, asked around, walked around, no signs for a missing kitten, no mama cat, no other kittens. Like couldn't find any sort of like, you know, trace of where this cat might have come from. So he's like, all right, well, I'll foster you. So I'll take a, like, he's like, I'll take you home and we'll just like, you know, put up some signs and we'll see if anybody like wants this cat, let the like, you know, resources in the area know, like the SPCA and that sort of thing. So he does. And <laughs> lo and behold, this tiny little orange kitten is super cute, super affectionate. And like day three is like, hi. I love you, oh, which is an unusual for him and his kittens. But what did happen is this kitten just decided that Tim, the orange uh, tabby, would be its surrogate parent. And the two of them have bonded so hard that like, I need, I have a visceral need for a daily update from my coworker on Tim and the kitten that Tim adopted, Tim Jr. <laughs> 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 so, so my coworkers made it very clear. I did not adopt the kitten. Tim adopted the kitten, and I thought Tim was his partner for a while. I was like, "Oh, cool! Like your your partner adopted a kitten," and I was like, "No, no, his cat adopted the kitten." And then after seeing the videos of the two of them like giving each other baths and snuggling, and like they're always together, they're always either sitting side by side, or Tim showing him how to play with something or they're snuggling and sleeping and they're bathing together. And I was like, this is 100% what Django was like when he was a kitten and still is as a three-year-old. He's like, I need help. <laughs> I need you to love me. I'm like, this is never going to stop. Poor Tim and TJ. Tim and TJ. <laughs> they're so cute. They're almost identically orange. And yeah, it's just... It's like a little mini me. Oh, I love it. It's so adorable. So adorable. So I'm going to throw some pictures up on the Instagram. If you want to see some adorable cat videos and photos of Tim and Tim Jr., you can check out our Instagram at 5C2PPod. And if you've got an adorable kitten cat story, share the love. We'll, we'll share it in our stories. Happy to do so. Totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe you've also got like a kitten rescue story. And you want to like long form it because it kind of strikes me this is the time of year where I know in the past I've adopted kittens before. More stories like that to come, I'm sure. But you can always drop us a line as well in our email. Write us a long form and uh, you can reach us 5C2PPod at Gmail. And we'll, we'll read, give us permission to share, and we'll share it. Otherwise, you can just warm our hearts and be like, yo, this is for you and me and nobody else. And we'll just read it and, and think, oh. Yeah. Virtual <laughs> snugs. Virtual snugs. <laughs> awesome. I think that's all the things. I think that's all the things, too. Sweet. Well, now that you feel all warm and happy about life, we'll be right back in a moment to give you some fuel for your nightmare dreams. Totally. We'll see you soon, witches.
We are ready to talk about holiday horror. Dude, so ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think uh, a lot of folks are probably familiar with some of the like the big bads of the holiday season, namely a one Mr. Krampus. Yeah. But we wanted to talk about some of the others that are super cool, super weird, maybe a little bit more obscure. And I'm going to be the first person to admit we found a lot of these, not all of them, but a lot of the ones that we had interest in in uh, on, on the Atlas Obscura website. So that's a great resource for just a, a little bit of a little bit of flavor on the wacky and weird out there. But we're going to start things off with a personal favorite of mine: the holiday zombie horror. Yes, dude. My first introduction to this guy was actually like a couple of weeks ago playing Assassin's Creed. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you sent me the link to the website to like check these out, I was like, oh my God, no way. Awesome. So holiday zombie horse. We've got Mari Lewid, who is this It's like basically an undead horse, kind of, but it's it's really more like a puppet. So- Around Christmas and New Year's in Wales, you may find your home approached by this undead horse and its companions. They're going to challenge you to a battle of rhyme. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Like a slam poetry off? Kind of, yeah. Oh, no. They're going to, like, sing at you, and you got to sing back at them and rhyme. And if you lose... You've got to invite them into your house so that they can drink your beer and eat your cake. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, so I've seen what I knew about this fantastical creature was just the imagery of like a horse skull with like a white sheet and the whatever. But I did not know that it was like horror Christmas carolers. Yeah, dude. It's like a whole thing. So the horse you were just talking about, the the revelers, they're going to like get this horse skull. Sometimes they'll make it. Sometimes it'll be made out of like wood or cardboard, but it's usually a horse skull and they're going to make it so that the jaws can move too. So it can like bite you. Oh my God. That's amazing. (laughs) But they'll adorn it with ribbons and with bells. And sometimes they'll shove like lights or like baubles or like Christmas ornaments into its eyes. And they, they'll wrap a, right, a white sheet around it, and then they'll, like, shove a stick up into it. So somebody is walking around. They're, like, they have the sheet wrapped around them, and they're holding the stick, and they're walking around, and they're the Mari Lewid. And they go around from house to house in the village or the town or, you know, wherever they are. They're going to usually be accompanied by people dressed as Sergeant and Merryman and Judy and Punch, who are, like, kind of like classic puppet characters, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and if the Mari Lewid does gain entry to your house, then the the family of the house is said to have good luck for the entire year. So the goal is not really to keep Mari Lewid oh. from getting in the house. It's more just to like have fun with Mari Lewid and okay. and see if you can best them or but but essentially you you really do want Mari Lewid in the house. Fair, fair. So you're not trying to like you're not competing to win. No. You're just well, like kind of, yes, but you do want like you want the good luck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fair enough. I feel like in that case, uh, it would be a really great cover for the fact that I, uh, I cannot rhyme and I cannot rhyme quickly or sing on my feet. Like I can't think of lyrics like that. And so I would just like throw the battle and be like, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> would you like a whiskey? <laughs> I'm okay at it sometimes. I always have a song in my head anyway. It doesn't always rhyme, but I can off rhyme pretty okay. So... I, th- I feel like we could go toe-to-toe. Uh, you could definitely, <laughs> you could go toe-to-toe. <laughs> I've heard your impromptu, like, random song making. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's good enough to impress a zombie horse. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Now, this practice, it's a little unclear as to when it started. The first written record of it comes from the year 1800 from J. Evans' book, A Tour Through Part of North Wales. Although it was typically like more often practiced in the south part of Wales. A lot of people seem to think that it's a pre-Christian practice though. So it can be linked back to Celtic times and the horse goddess Rhiannon, where there was like kind of like a cult around Rhiannon, or which also parallel parallels parallels. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> Words are hard, uh, but it also parallels parallels the <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> the Gaul Roman goddess Apona. Ooh, yeah. Um, but then the Christians were like, no, no, Mari Lewid actually was cast out of the Bethlehem stable where the Virgin Mary went to give birth to Jesus Christ. Oh my good grief. <laughs> Sorry, right? but good grief. Right. They're like, no, 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 no. We see what you're doing. I like that's such a one upsman like I know yeah your god was actually at the birth of our god and our god's better so uh, like, like the entire geez. practice of this just feels so pagan to me yeah but it's it also like in in the translations for Mari Lewid that are there now it there the battle is still there between Christian and pagan times too so some people say that Mari Lewid translates to gray mare, right? But then other people say that it translates to gray Mary. Okay. And then other people say that Lewid means blessed, so can translate to blessed Mary or holy Mary. All good. But nobody really knows, like, or there's no, like, definitive answer out there that I could find, at least, as to what this really means. I think Grey Mare is probably what it was. Now, it sounds to me like this was, as far as written accounts go, something that people, like, dressed up as. It was never, like, zombie horse that just randomly showed up at your door mystically and was like, sing me a song, rhyme with me, bitches. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) But but it does sort of harken back to wassailing customs. It sounds wassily. It's very wassily. And the only, like, real difference that I see between this is that when wassailing, you as the reveler are going to walk around with your, like, bowl of wassail, Go, go to somebody's door, 
sing at them, be like, drink my wassail. <laughs> and then they drink your wassail. And then, and, and you're like demanding that because they drink your wassail, you, they give you like gifts or snacks or <laughs> drinks or whatever. Yeah. It's like a good merrymaking. I share, you share, we share together. Dude, totally. Now wassail, for those of you wondering, <laughs> was originally this like spice to drink. Not too uncommon for like, you know, Yule times, some kind of spice drinks. But traditionally, this drink was made with roasted apples. Yum, right? Mulled ale, sure. Yep. Curdled cream and eggs. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I immediately want to go whoa. <laughs> but the fact that it was made with curdled cream and eggs... I almost wondered if instead of curdled cream, it was maybe more of a clotted cream. Well, that could be, yeah. And eggs, making it basically like a like a rum punch with spiced beer, or like a like an eggnog kind of situation, or like a lot of drinks actually have like egg whites and shit in them. So it doesn't really Dude, freak me out as much as it probably should. Like any sort of a cocktail that's a flip has an egg in it. Yeah. 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 But that really only like, it makes the head frothy. Right. Well, maybe this was like a frothy, maybe it had a frothy head with an, like, <laughs> with an apple bottom. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm imagining like a, a spiced beer, like apple cider eggnog kind of situation. And I don't like eggnog, so I also don't like eggnog. <laughs> but, See, eggnog but it doesn't immediately make me go. <laughs> this doesn't immediately make me want to puke. <laughs> when I read the description, all I could think of was like chunky apples and like pieces of hard-boiled egg, and I'm like, that can't be it. <laughs> that can't be it. It's awful. That is awful. <laughs> but I mean. It'd be kind of funny if it was like, drink my terrible drink. Ha ha! Now you have to give me stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. But yeah, pretty terrifying, like, zombie undead horse. I would be pretty spooked out if a, if a horse, zombie horse had, like, gaggle of folks came and just showed up at my dorm. We were like, rhyme with me. Right? <laughs> but also pretty I'd, I'd excited. Be, I'd be kind of psyched. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, when Mari Lewid gets inside the house, they, like run around and terrify the children and like yes. snap their jaws at yes. people and like chase the girls. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and this is still done, right? Like this is still like a, like a Christmas carol kind of tradition uh, where it's like people still kind of do it. It's, it's, I think it's gaining momentum again. I believe like kind of early 20th century, the church was like, nah, nah, we going to stop this. So it, it kind of, <laughs> it did kind of fizzle out for a while, but, but I think that people are starting to bring it back again. Yeah. Fair. Well, it's really cool. And I got to say the images that I've seen of like the decorated horse heads and the wooden horse heads and paper mache and stuff like that are beautiful. Yeah. It's not exactly an image that makes me think Yuletide or Christmastide, no. but it is really lovely. In addition to that, since you mentioned it, I'm also going to bring this up. So Mari Lewid, probably most traditional during Yule and New Year's, but ha is also sometimes done during like Samhain or Beltane. Oh, cool. Other holidays too. Awesome. It's not Christmas specific. Um, uh, 
that's fine. It's, it's holiday <laughs> horrors. <Yes. laughs> we're just we're just in the like Hanukkah, Christmas kind of Yule, like Yule tide, New Year's kind of area. So yeah. a lot of these will focus around that particular holiday, but not exclusive to. Okay, so I've got one for you with a lot of words I won't be able to pronounce. Yes. If you're a listener and you're really fluent in German, feel free to drop us a line with a recording of your own. <laughs> and I have listened to some pronunciations. I'm going to do my best. I have one semester of grade 10 German, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> you're going to do great. So this is a, a little less lovely than rhyme with a dead horse. <laughs> I want to tell the tale of Frau Perkta. Ooh. So Perkta is Alsatian for Bertha. Oh. And I really wanted to just call her Frau Bertha, but that seems unfair. So I'm going to go with Perkta. And essentially Perkta means the bright one relating to the Feast of the Epiphany or is Old High German for hidden or covered. But it's... It's a folklore uh, bit of mythology from like the sort of Alpine region in Germany uh, related to Alpine paganism. And it's sort of thought that uh, actually was recorded by Jacob Grimm, who is the older brother of the Brothers Grimm, their editor. <laughs> third brother Grimm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't realize there was a third mm -hmm. one. He's the oldest, I think, and he was their editor. <laughs> no shit. Yep. Huh. But he was a, a philosophist? Philosophist? Something like that. Um, and, and a folklore specialist. Oh. So they were all into it. But he recorded that uh, it was his belief and sort of the common belief at the time that old Perkta was um, related to the same goddess that Holga stemmed from. So it was like this sort of like all the feminine deities sort of all came from this one tradition and splintered off in different directions depending on what time of year it was, what the purpose of like their being around or involved in people's lives might be. And then people sort of just to slowly assign them different names for different reasons, like different, like you, like you show up over the 12 days of Christmas. So you get the name Perkta. Okay. All right. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Got it. And so, as I mentioned, it shows up during the 12 days of Christmas, which is traditionally Christmas day through January 5th. So it's a whole like Christmas tide thing. I'm not quite sure why it ends up being 12 days, but um, <laughs> it is it is the 12 days of Christmas, and well, sort of like a Santa Claus esque figure shows up to essentially like reward the good and punish the bad as it relates to children. And Perkta is particularly obsessed with cleanliness and goodness and was also the upholder of cultural taboos. Oh. So things like, um, at that point in time, you weren't allowed to do your spinning on holidays. So she would like show up during the 12 days of Christmas to basically like see if maids were spinning or had gotten all of their flax spun for the season before the holidays. Basically, were like, were you slacking off or not? and reward the good kids and punish the bad. Or if you did not eat your, there was a particular meal, I think, 
on the Friday before the 12 days of Christmas started that was like porridge and fish stew or so. It sounds oh, fucking dude, awful. I was good. I was thinking in my head it had to have Oh, yeah. fish in it or oh, something. Yeah. It, was, it was awful. <laughs> but if you ate something other than that, then Frau Perkta might show up and punish you. What a bitch. Right. But <laughs> if you were good and you were holy and you did all of your chores and you were clean, then she might leave a silver coin for you, either in like your shoe or in like a little pail that you'd set out. So there was a reward. She wasn't all bad. But she gets pretty gnarly. I guess that's cool, though. But but how does she how does she punish the bad ones? Here we go. <laughs> so she takes this real serious. <laughs> bad or disobedient children get disemboweled. Wow! What a <laughs> bitch! Oh my god! Zero to sixty. Holy fucking <laughs> shit! Yeah, she. There's there's really there's no like in between. No in between. Nope. <laughs> wow! What a bitch! And so. If you were if you were naughty, then your innards as a child, your innards were replaced with garbage, straw, and pebbles, and then you were sewn back up to suffer alone in ungodly pain. I don't. I mean, I th- I feel like you'd be dead, <laughs> right? I, I mean, <laughs> I don't disagree with you, but that was that was the. I'm gonna. This gets more crazy. She, so, wow. <laughs> so that's the like naughty children that Frau Perkta gets to. Now you might be wondering, we've just talked about a like a zombie head horse. What does Frau Perkta look like? Yeah, what does she look like? So she's got two faces, essentially. Oh. Because <gasps> she's got good kids and bad kids. Is it one on the back of her head? I didn't I couldn't find a clear description of if it was literally like her head turns around. Uh. It was a full body description though, and I think it, it's like she appears like mystically as two different people oh okay which is kind of where it ties into like the same goddess splintering off into different names and different directions kind of thing and appearing as different people depending on their like meaning or reason so she could either appear as a beautiful as the the beautiful one okay (laughs) which is essentially um a beautiful woman described with snow white skin that's unfortunately the only definition of beauty that they gave for that one black gag me what or the ugly one which is a wrinkled old hag with a hooked nose and raggedy clothes okay so you've got like (laughs) you know good witch bad witch good witch bad witch yeah yeah but she, because she loves tidiness so much, she is often depicted as carrying a broom on which she can fly. Oh, that's nice. Good witch, bad witch. So does she do the cleaning up then? No. Oh. <laughs> She'll just disembowel you and make you do it later. <laughs> this is the other like weird part of her description that pretty much every resource that I could find on her, which all said very similar things, but they all described her as having one large foot. So, oh. <laughs> hot or not, <laughs> she's got one large foot. <laughs> and that is called her swan foot or her goose foot. And it was thought that this either comes from her endless days of working the foot pedal of a spindle mm-hmm. or from an ability to shape shift into a goose or a swan. Ooh. Because the imagery, especially of a goose foot, uh, it was really closely associated with her to the point that people would sometimes save the foot of a roasted goose from their holiday dinner 
and like hang it above their door for like good luck or to ward off old Procta. Oh, okay. No, she was actually so popular that she got her own cult. She she did she, get a cult. She did. She got a cult. <laughs> now, I don't know how many people it takes to make a cult, but in the 1400s, so this was a freaking while ago, Whoa. Um, followers used to actually leave her food and drink in hopes that her and, now here's where it gets tricky, her entourage, uh, would actually reward them, no matter how good or bad they were, with wealth and good fortune. So it was thought that, like, if you put out food and were thankful and welcoming, then the good Frau would show up with her good cronies, and <laughs> she would leave you nice things. But if you didn't, then the bad Frau would show up with her bad cronies and disembowel you. I like a world where good Perkta is the wrinkly old one. I I kind of do too. <laughs> <laughs> and the evil one is like this like stark like snow white beautiful ice queen kind of thing. Right, but with like blank eyes and no oh, with, yeah. with like no pupils. <laughs> it is worth googling some of the images of like fan art kind of thing, like other artists depictions of this because there's some pretty freaking cool ones. In fact, uh, side slight side tangent in the horror movie Krampus, uh-huh. she is depicted as a like a doll in a white dress with very blank white eyes. Oh, cool! Yeah. Yeah. Me and those Krampus peoples, we've got <laughs> we got the same yeah. idea. Uh, so she's got this entourage, which is sort of mentioned here or there, and it's not really focused on that much. But I really dug the idea of not only is it this like crazy old lady or this really lovely person showing up and being like, did you do your sewing? Did you eat your fish gruel? No, I disavow you. Here's some <laughs> buttons in your tummy. <laughs> it's also her entourage. So this is where the German tricky words come in. In the 16th century, uh, so this whole time, like 14th to the 16th century, still popular. In the 16th century, uh, it makes like sort of a divergence, and there's the Schonperchten, Schonperchten, <laughs> yes, the beautiful Perkston, the beautiful, bright, uh, like entourage that brought good luck and wealth to the followers during the 12 nights of Christmas. And there is the, oh boy, the Schkeichtperkten, the ugly ones that have fangs, tusks, and horse tails. Oh, they sound fun. They were used to drive out demons and ghosts. And the men in the 16th century in like towns in Germany would actually like dress up as these ugly Perkton and go um, house to house to drive out bad spirits. That's super cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. I thought that was really cool as well. Uh, I was like, oh, I want to dress up as a crazy animal and run out of all my friends' houses and be like, out with the bad. <laughs> 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 that would be amazing. <laughs> I would be hysterical if you came to me like dressed as a, a horse's butt with a tail whipping around, just being like, "Oh, with the bad," and then run out. I'd be like, "What the fuck just happened?" I know what you're getting for you all. <laughs> but there's one more, and honestly, I'm gonna backtrack just for a hot second and be like, "This is where my desire to record all of this." Perkton stuff came from Mm -hmm. is that I wanted to talk about the struggle. What's the struggle? Struggle. What's the struggle? (laughs) (laughs) So I I just really like saying struggle. Struggle. But so in Switzerland, Perkta rides with a throng 
of demonic-looking sidekicks or helpers. So it's this her like entourage is very specifically this group of demon-looking folks called the Struggle. Do they have fang teeth and pointy ears? Yes. Do they look like Kenway? Uglier. (laughs) (laughs) So the struggle's role is to help punish the bad kids, or sometimes Frau Parkton would just be like, yeah, you take care of it. Like, you've been a good struggle. You can have these ones. (laughs) And the struggle would rob the children then fly them up and away from their homes, and while they were in the air, rip them to pieces. Wow. <laughs> so, Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. It's a lot of violence. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a lot of holiday violence. What did they rob the children of? Like, cheese and bread? Or it would, like, take their toys and their coins and their oh, food man. and their, like, what, like, take all their, like, cool shit. Be like, you don't deserve this. You've been disobedient. I'm going to take all your stuff, and now I'm going to whisk you away and tear you to shreds. Oh, what a bunch of dicks. <laughs> But they are de- like they are depicted as true sort of demonic being beings, not just like men in masks with horns kind of thing. And they they tend to be like hairy and have horns and have really long tongues and uh, like are usually sort of like shaggy, like like furry creatures. But yeah, the struggle. <laughs> and. To help avoid, you know, having your kids stolen, <laughs> to, to help avoid having your house robbed and your kids stolen, people would leave out food for the struggle. So it was all very sort of similar of like, leave out food, get a good thing, avoid the bad thing, but all around this, like, I might be good, I might be bad, but I'm definitely going to show up at your house some days over the next 12 days and either like leave you a silver coin or fill your belly full of like banana peels. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're really bad or I'm really lazy, I'll just get my struggle to take care of you. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck Perkta, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought she was particularly cool. I want a Perkta horror movie. Right? There should be. Yeah. That'd be dope. It would be amazing. Like a sort of like uh, Maleficent style, like Perga in her like kingdom and she just sends her struggle out and get them to like do her bidding and bring her children and yeah, yeah. dude. But like Maleficent, I want to know how she became the way she did. I want, I want to see a young Perkta. Fair enough. Fair enough. I totally do. I mean, it's got to have something to do with spinning and not eating your fish gruel. Oh, God, I don't want to eat the fish gruel. For fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got one more for you today. But I think we'll take a little break. Yeah, a little whiz break. A little whiz break. And we'll come right on back to tell you all about... Belschnickel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Back in a sec. (laughs) Totally. See you soon, witches. I think I just 
naturally have a deeper voice than yours, so I can and and I smoke a lot of shit. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I just have this like raspy, deeper voice. Well, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about Bell Schnickel. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> yeah, I really need you to be able to like talk through the rest of this episode. I know, so <laughs> I know, but Bell Schnickel, I feel like deserves, you know, kind of a little, a little more middle in his life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Fine. I think all of these crazy holiday monsters <laughs> need <laughs> need a little more black metal in their life. <laughs> so we are, in fact, going to talk about Bell Schnickel. And Belschnickel is another German, uh, an, an, another German Santa helper. Yeah, dude, he totally is. His name literally translates to Saint Nicholas in furs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like the backwoods Santa. Yeah, he's also based on a myth of Knecht Rupert. Yeah. More German names I can't pronounce. Uh, but there are some differences. So I don't know much about this uh, Ruprecht guy, but there's some things about Belschnickel I feel like people should know. Dude, totally. Totally. The first is he visits alone rather than being like a Santa helper or like a Santa servant. But some versions have him bringing Krampus along. Oh, I didn't see those <laughs> yeah. versions. So sometimes he's like, yo, Krampus, you want to come with me? And Krampus is like, okay. Krampus is going to deal out the like really, really fucked up punishments. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that they're just kind of like all bros. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. What are you doing tomorrow afternoon? <laughs> also, Belschnickel will typically show up, I believe, like a week or two before Christmas. Yes. Uh, that was probably the most distinguishing thing about this particular piece of folklore was that like very specifically, no matter what version, what he looks like, where he is, it's a pre-Christmas day thing. Yeah, dude, totally. Yeah, like he's priming them for Santa. It's 100% what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Quite literally what he's doing. (laughs) So... W- like who is Belschnickel? Like what's he? What's he look like? Like is he a person? Is he a monster? Is he somewhere in between? So he's in most accounts that I've read, he's actually like a person, right? But he's he, and in in other accounts, he can be wearing a mask with a long tongue, but ultimately, it seems like he's a person. And he's always, like, dirty and disheveled, and he wears a bunch of furs, but his clothes are, like, torn and ragged, and he carries a hazel switch in his hand to, like, beat kids with. And But he also, like, carries around a sack of, like, nuts and fruits and candies and cakes to like give to good kids too so he's he's really kind of like an amalgamation of santa and krampus a little bit yeah Yeah. and i did read a couple of little nuggets of folklore where there are some references to belschnickel in really obscure texts where he's actually uh described as 
uh, and like an animal shape wearing a tiny mask that's like small enough that he can like enter your house by slipping through your keyhole. Ooh. But like there was, it's like a one or two like line excerpt from these really old German texts. And basically they were like, it re- it says Belschnickel and then it talks about this, but no, like the current understanding of Belschnickel has nothing to do with that. Oh, it's okay. not like, it. it's not a tiny animal. It's, <laughs> it's this dirty hobo Santa. Now, one of the things that I read that I thought was really neat about this guy, as opposed to Santa or even um, old Frau Perkch, uh, it was that um, he didn't really care if you're good or bad. He kind of just duels out like goodies and punishment equally. Yeah, I kind of got that impression too. A lot of the stuff that I read said that he would like come up to the window, rap on the window with his hazel switch, and like kids would come to the window and he'd be there like okay you need to sing me a song or answer me this question or like do a shitty math equation or yep. something like recite that. a poem or a bible verse basically yeah. be like what did you learn over the course of the year yeah basically and then at some point he would like he would already know who like sucked and who didn't <laughs> throughout the year but he would like toss his cake and his nuts and fruit, whatever the fuck he had in his sack onto the floor. And the kids would like scramble for it. But if you scrambled for that shit too fast, he'd be like, you greedy little fucker. And he'd fucking swat you. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I read two different versions. Exactly that one of like, like as a, almost like as a penance for scrambling and being too greedy, you'd get beaten with the hazel switch or regardless, he would just beat all the children yeah. as a reminder to be like that nothing is given for free. Right, 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 right. Yeah. 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 And Either way, he's a dick. <laughs> he's kind of a, kind of a dick, kind of a nice guy. I don't know. He's somewhere, <laughs> he's weird is what he is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was all like a tradition that was carried on uh, by by like parents and people in towns and that sort of thing with their kids where like they would actually do this like it wouldn't be it transcended folklore to let's like have a candy scramble in like a garden for the kids and like there was always a threat of like I will beat you with my hazel switch now whether or not people actually got like hit would probably depend on how shitty your parents were but oh yeah probably uh, but yeah it like it actually transcended to becoming like a holiday tradition pre Santa to remind you in order to get your Santa gifts you had to be good and there was still time because he'd show up like two weeks beforehand so you've got two weeks to really like get it in gear like if you fuck up with Belschnickel then you're done yeah yeah if you like if you bomb that poem or like math equation then you've got time to practice between like then and when Santa shows up. Dude, if he tried to get me to do a math equation, I'd be like, can I, can I <laughs> like, draw you a picture instead? The multiplication tables? <laughs> I could, ne- I still can't. I never could as a child remember all of my multiplication tables. I can do the nines because there's this like finger thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also saw one tradition that where... Um, Belschnickel was called the Christmas woman. I saw that too. Yeah. yeah. And essentially it was the same idea. Like before, 12 days before Christmas, um, like essentially two weeks before Christmas, uh, somebody would show up mysteriously disguised, um, typically in female garb. Right. And described as either a woman with a man's strength and force of action or... A man in women's clothing right. and uh, same deal. Scatter toys, beat the kids. 
But I thought it was interesting that it was like very clearly like Belschnickel, also Christmas woman. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is one that I didn't know and had not heard of. And now I immediately need to go like ask my mom. <laughs> but because this was a, like it was a German and Dutch thing. Uh, when the immigrants came over to North America, they brought all their traditions with them. Yeah. So this is still a thing in Pennsylvania. Like there are towns where you can like this time of year go hang out and Belschnickel will be like in the town square when it's like, you know, safe to do so. Yeah. And Even like some of the breweries in yeah. Pennsylvania have named beers after Belschnickel. Oh, cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, I didn't really realize it was that popular, but apparently... It is also incredibly popular in Nova Scotia. Oh, no which kidding. Which makes sense for twofold. One, there is actually an area of Nova Scotia called New Germany, where Germans came and settled, which I have a lot of uh, my father's side of the family lives there or originates from that area. Oh, cool. And then second is when a lot of the Loyalists fled the U.S., they like came up from Pennsylvania to Nova Scotia. And they brought, again, their traditions with them. So I'm really surprised I had never heard of Belschnickel before now. And I'm, I'm almost a little bummed. Like, I, I kind of wish that I grew up with, like, and also this dude. <laughs> Did your pops grow up with Belschnickel? I'll have to ask him. I don't think so. I mean, he didn't grow up in the New Germany area. But oh. that's where, like, like his uh, dad was from and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. But now I'm dying to find out. <laughs> So we've got we've got a zombie horse, we've got a haggard witch with her struggles, <laughs> and the disembowels children, and we've got our Belschnickel Dirty Santa. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love I love Hobo Santa. That was, I used to love that so much. I love our holiday horse. <laughs> <laughs> you can get you can rhyme with a rhyme with a horse. Get disemboweled. Or get beaten for candy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure that there are many more of these to go through. Maybe we'll maybe we'll give you a treat next week as well and, and follow up with some more of these. But until then, before then, we have a special guest. Yeah. I feel like he's a special guest now. <laughs> yeah, he's a special guest now. <laughs> Engineer Dan has joined us. Woo. I'm just Dan the guest now. Like <laughs> we've got en engineer Ronnie. We've got our chief editor and the person that makes everything sound great, Witch Lindsay over here. I feel like I'm I'm just here. I'm just here, cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, casual Dan, thank you so much for joining us. It's, My pleasure. It's you fun are fun to have you back. You are fantastic hosts. Thank you for having me. You have a B update for us. I have a murder hornet update. Murder hornet. You guys are amazing. <laughs> I love you guys so much. <laughs> so if you if this is the first time that you're hearing this right now, dear listener, I would like you to know that there is a murder hornet situation going on in North America. Ooh. I don't know where you are right now, but our honeybees in North America were not raised with a murder hornet situation. That's more of an Asian situation. And over in Asia, where the murder where the murder hornets are from, they have the, the bees have learned to deal with that shit. And the way the bees deal with that shit over there is that they all get together and they thrum their wings really aggressively in like what what I guess scientists have like cutely called 
a, a, a hot ball, the bees cover the murder hornet and flap their wings and cook it to death. <laughs> and that's dope. That's so dope. But our honeybees over here in North America, we like this is this is new to new to them. So they they were getting murdered quite heavily over in like the west coast of America, and I'm sure like just the western seaboard of North America, the murder hornets were coming into their nests, chopping their heads off and eating them because hornets and wasps and things are carnivores, and bees, also an insect, are they're they're veg. They make honey. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> right, 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 right. So uh, I have an update on how the North American honeybee is dealing with the murder hornets, and I find it fascinating. What are they doing? Lindsay, do you have a guess? Um, it does not involve a zombie horse. <laughs> or beating them with sticks. There's no stick beating. Or disembowelment? Nope. Maybe, maybe they're just like giving them a real nice snug and scaring them away. Well, that, that uh, yeah, I guess the the hot ball technique has not made its way to North America. <laughs> what they are doing is, and I and, and 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 again, here's why I find this fascinating: the bees have realized that the murder horn, murder hornets, murder hornets, have an aversion to animal dung, which for the lay person out there is animal shit. And they have decided to collect animal shit and put it around the entrance to their hives as a a deterrent. Wow. Right? It's like those candles, the citronella candles you light uh, <laughs> in, in the summertime. I, I was imagining like the like the the person that's just like doused themselves in Axe body spray and it's just like, ooh, no, gross. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're just like <laughs> stepping in shit and smearing it on their hive, and and the murder hornets are like, eh, I'm good. Well, they're more, they're more, <laughs> they're more flying towards the animal shit, rubbing it all over their tum tums, flying back to the hive, and then rubbing it all outside the any entrance, any entrance to the hive, and that is a deterrent, and it's working. That's amazing. So here's why <laughs> I find that fascinating: is that Bees, an insect, a a hive mind, if you will, is currently using something that they don't naturally produce. They have to go source it. Much like how flowers don't need pollen, but they need bees. Bees don't shit animal dung, but they now decided that they needed the shit, and they're putting it outside of their hives to, to detract murder hornets, and it's fucking working that's pretty close if not i don't i guess i'm not scientific enough to know a hundred percent if it's uh if, if it fits but that's pretty fucking close to an insect using a tool yeah yeah it I, is i hope at some point in my lifetime science tells me how they figured that one the fuck out <laughs> Because that is crazy to me. It's also, to me, what's crazy is this was, like, a hot topic in, like, March or May or something yeah. like that. And, like, I feel like it's been less than a year than, like, North American bees are, like, dog shit. They don't like dog shit. Yo, hey, <laughs> be over there. They don't like dog shit. <laughs> well. And then they waggled their butts uh, all around. They're, like, dog shit. It's dog shit. It's dog shit. And horse shit. <laughs> and like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, call me a murder hornet because I'm also not going inside a house that has shit smeared all around <laughs> its door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. 
<laughs> Lindsay, I will call you a murder hornet. <laughs> I will do that. Uh, thanks That's for letting, awesome. Thanks for letting me pop in. The episodes have been great. I miss you guys very, very much. And you, dear listener, I care about you deeply. And I look forward to uh, my occasional pop-in. And I will yeah. definitely keep you updated on the murder hornet, honeybee, and or panda situations that uh, come across my news feed. Because apparently my news cycle is all pandas and bees. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Casual Dan. Thank you, Casual Dan. <laughs> murder hornets. <laughs> murder hornets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we started this episode on a wholesome, feel-good kitty adoption story, and we're going to end it on a wholesome, feel-good story as well. We are. So, we have... Are you ready for it? Dude, I'm so ready. Are you ready? And all new. Pussy of the Week! We got a brand new Pussy of the Week. And Lindsay, I could not be more thrilled that you have brought this to my attention because this completely passed me by. I did not get it in my Instagram feed. I did not find it on the news. And that's a fucking shame. So I'm hoping no matter where you are in the world, if you are listening to 5C2P, you're probably also thinking, this is going to be dope. And I'm going to maybe do this. And if you're not and you can't, fine. Totally fine. But we want to put it out there. Yeah. Our brand new Pussy of the Week is Trans Santa. Trans Santa, man. So if you have not heard of Trans Santa, as I had not until Lindsay came over to record today, Trans Santa is a charity effort that's been launched by, uh, I think it's India? India Moore? I think it's India, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So India Moore, who is uh, the Pose star... Uh, they basically started this charity group to send gifts to transgender youth. And it's very easy. I've like gone online to like be like, okay, well, what do I have to do? Like, is this going to be a difficult thing? Is this going to be like, and then I do this and then I have to go here and then I have to like give a certain amount. Nuh-uh. Totally easy. It's like a transgender Instagram secret Santa. It's fucking awesome. So they have had letters written by over 200 um, youth, I will say, not just children, but youth, so 24 and under, and they're still counting. Like, these letters are still coming in, and they're using a target registry to make it easy for, you know, people that want to donate, and essentially, folks are writing because, you know, maybe they're not in a great situation this holiday season. A lot of, you know, a lot of transgender youth are displaced, are homeless when they come out or not accepted by their family. So, you know, it may be that situation. A lot of the letters that I was looking at were from foster children or from individuals who are just like, shit's hard this year, man. And, you know, there's things that they may want that their families can't afford to get them or things that they may need that their families can't afford. Or, you know, maybe they're not out to their families and they're stuck at home in these situations and they're just like, they're not accepted and they're not loved. Or their families simply don't know and they don't feel safe coming out. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's products or things that they need. So some of the things that you can like go on and donate to individuals are anything from uh, binders and like gender affirming clothing, 
food, space heaters, blankets. I saw like one person just wanted like five pairs of simple black socks because they needed them for work and couldn't afford them. Um, art supplies, Dungeons and Dragons books, medical bills, food donations. It's all over the place. There is nothing too big or too small. And, you know, there, there's an Instagram. It's simply called Transanta, all one word. And you can go on there and you can read letters from different folks. But it's very easy. You can see if you, if you are a listener and you want to participate in giving, there is a, like, a button right there at the top of the Instagram where you can be like, you, will, you want to give. Here's how you give. And it will direct you to a particular wish list for a particular individual's letter. And you can help do that. Now, a lot of the gifts have already been purchased when we took a look, which is fucking awesome. But you can still donate gift cards uh, to Target or money, monetary gift cards, because sometimes, like I said, what they need is like medical bills and stuff like that that they need covered. Uh, and, you know, if you are somebody who is listening and you're like, that's me. Yo, hey, I need a binder and I can't like do this thing or you know, I am out of like sketching pads or, you know, I just like, I need a warm blanket for the winter or whatever it might be. If you are listening and you need help or want help and you want to put your letter out there to Trans Santa, there is a button right there for, for getting as well so that you can submit your letter to them and they will post it and, and post your wish list. Totally, dude. Couldn't have said it better. Trans Santa, we like you. Yeah. India Moore, fucking dope. Seriously, I, I can't wait to go through and and <laughs> pick, like I kind of want to like you know pick a letter, but honestly, like the first one that pops up that you know still needs something purchased, like I'm not gonna be choosy. I just want to I want to help out, and I think it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, same. I looked through a lot of them last night, and there were so many people that I wanted to help. And when I when I clicked on so many other things, people had already gotten them so many things yeah. but like you said there's always gift cards uh visa gift cards target gift cards whatever that in you know it, any any little bit extra is going to help yep and yeah and th and the organization will help get those things to that person so it's that's awesome i could not be more thrilled about this and oh one other thing is you don't have to purchase it somebody's entire wish list if like if what you can give is you know like two pairs of boxers then like give two pairs of boxers like you know it there's no need to go through and buy everything on a wish list if you can't afford it uh, but you know everybody just it's the holidays you know helping other people out giving charitably is awesome it's awesome all all around but this time of year especially important as it's really tough for a lot of folks and LGBTQIA uh, in, in particular. So, so help out if you can. Yeah, dude, totally. Well, we'll end on that good and wholesome note. I look forward to next week. Until then, no pervs, no Nazis. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs>